Welcome to Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville and News Radio 98.9 and 1070 AM WINA. With Price Thomas and Robbie Rispetto coming to you right here from Charlottesville. Want to thank our sponsor, Carter Myers Automotive. And with that, Price. So back into the um, December, what day is it? December 16th and like 60 degrees yeah, outside. Yeah. Touching. Crazy weather. Real winter weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but we are inside here today with Carolyn Dillard, the University Community Liaison in the Division for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. And we just found out, I think like most people in Charlottesville, a secret friend of my mom. Um, so, <laughs> Many people are yeah, secret friends. Yeah, there's like too much and, and both deltas. That's right. Yeah. Just means there's too much like information about me in the public, which I don't <laughs> particularly love. That's true. But thanks again, mom. <laughs> um, but thanks for coming down and, and spending the morning with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about being here. Yeah, we're excited to hear uh, hear more from you and get to know what you're all about. So so like we joked about off air, the one question, the one scripted question we always ask is just give uh, folks who don't know you, you know, and I think that a lot of people, at least in the nonprofit circle, will know you from Day of Caring and a lot of the partnerships that you've worked on. But, um, you know, for those of you who don't know you, haven't come across your work, just give them a little flavor of, uh, of uh, where you're from and what you're all about. I'm a native of Keswick, Virginia. I've lived there all of my life. My grandparents built a house mm. there in 1929. Both paternal and uh, fraternal grandparents mm. were there. I am a descendant of Castle Hill. Mm. Wow. And so uh, learning more and more about my own family mm. history and mm-hmm. excited about that. And uh, I am a pastor of Zion Hill Baptist Church, first wow. female pastor. And that's my home church. So I'm excited about mm-hmm. just um, what God is doing in that space. Um, my parents are both uh, passed away. My mother just passed in June, so still processing oh. that and um, processing word. the stages of grief mm-hmm. while also trying to minister to, to other people mm. as they process. Yeah, yeah. that's intense. Mm-hmm. Well, I have all kinds of questions, God, but I want to I want to talk about <laughs> you being the first black woman to be a pastor at your church. That's phenomenal. How did you know that that was a goal? How did that come about? Well, that you know, God is funny. God yeah. has. Mm-hmm. A really good jokes. He's, he's he's got a great sense of humor. He does have a great sense <laughs> mm-hmm. of humor. And um, Zion Hill Baptist Church was established in 1870, so we just celebrated 150 years. Um, I started. I went to seminary back in 2011 mm-hmm. at the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union University, mm-hmm. and I literally went just to learn more. Okay. I felt that there was more that there was something deeper mm-hmm. that not that I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. that, but I was supposed to learn. So when I went, I was I literally um, heard in November of 2011 heard the voice of God saying, I want you to preach for me. And I'm like, mm. what? <laughs> what? Like, you that's know, how it is. Literally. Usually. Like, literally um, speaks to you. Yep. And uh, so I didn't say anything for about six months. And um, an older pastor, really, I, you know, I talk a lot, mm-hmm. but I didn't share that. <laughs> and an older pastor came out of the blue and he said, um, Minister Dillard, are you preaching yet? And I <laughs> wow. said, no, sir. And I just kept walking mm-hmm. fast. And he said, and he stood there and he was so tall, he seemed tall. <laughs> and he said, didn't God call you to preach? Mm. And I just started crying. And I'm like, yes, sir, he did. Hmm. I feel like yeah. it's Jonah in the belly of the world. Oh, d- definitely <laughs> in the belly. I was trying to be spit out anywhere. <laughs> but then, um, you know, God was good. I had a great mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, pastor Dyer was our pastor at Zion Hill. Mm-hmm. And um, under him, I was before that was Reverend Dr. R. A. Johnson, who's very mm-hmm. well known in Charlottesville. And um, from there, God made it so I became pastor. So I'm three years in my pastorate at Zion Hill. 
Okay. Working on my doctorate um, in ministry as well. Virginia Union? At Virginia Union, yes. Back to Virginia Union. Um, The the, uh, topic is trauma-informed care practices for the African-American church and community. Mm. Wow, that's a powerful subject. (laughs) Goodness. How do you, so that's a lot of caretaking you're doing for people in that role. Well, it is. uh, My mother was a, like a caretaker for people. Bernice Mitchell, um, she just had a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to grow into that. Mm -hmm. I can't be her. No, of course Um, not. But But she is you, right? That's the close. But I I thank God for just how she encouraged people. Mm -hmm. She always was there for people and uh, when I gave her eulogy, I talked about the healing stew mm-hmm. that she made. You know, whether mm-hmm. somebody was somebody was just had the sniffles or if they it were really matter. sick. She made a you stew. know, she made the healing stew, and it was more about the ingredients being love mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so many questions, but I'm gonna let you go, and then I'll come back. Why? Why are you like well, setting me up? I then, know. You know. I just I want to know more about what what you're experiencing with congregants around the subject that you just mentioned. Do you actually say that you know you? You have a focus and a goal of providing that type of work for your congregation? I do. Uh, So we've um, had workshops. Mm -hmm. I really think it's very important for leaders um, and officers, especially uh, deacons and deaconess, Mm -hmm. to be able to, we're not looking to fix people. That's not the goal. But it's being able to identify, seeing someone that's hurting and screaming in silence from the pews. You're receiving people, yeah, right. Because it's so it's so often people in in the African American community, we we have such pride, yeah, and that that we don't share what's happening with us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, there's underlying things that have happened in our childhood that mm-hmm. we don't want to share, but those things keep bubbling up, and they they manifest mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And now you put COVID on top of that, mm-hmm. where people have to be secluded and you can't touch one another. Yeah. You can't fellowship in church or hug one another, and and so it's it's traumatic. Yeah, it's traumatic. That type of experience. I would so agree. So, what do yeah. we do to help people get through that? Yeah, you know, one thing is just um, being real as a pastor. That I'm feeling what you're feeling. Mm. Yeah, what you're going through, yeah. and that, and that's what it's very very hard. Like my, I've seniors in my church that are passing away and I've known them all my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so not only to be grieve them, but to watch their children Mm -hmm. and knowing what that feels like now. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's, it's a God given gift, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not easy. It's, it's no, it's really hard. Do you, I know in the African American community, there's typically not, an emphasis on getting counseling as much as there is in the white community. Like it's not, but yes, but it's, but it's more now. But that it was my question. Is. Are you yes, seeing that? Are yes, you encouraging because that? We're, tra- we're breaking down that stigma. You are? That's good. Uh, yeah. But what's, what I'm finding is mm-hmm. that most of the counseling mm-hmm. is very, um, I, I want to say, I guess, genetic. Mm-hmm. It is made for the majority. Mm-hmm. And we as African-Americans we have generational Very trauma. Very specific trauma. Mm-hmm. Generational mm-hmm. trauma. We we right now sitting here, we have trauma from slavery. Yeah, you know that is 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 embedded in us. We have our own histories and 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 looking back at uh, having to, you know, farm or having to only 
having to walk to school, only having to having to walk to work in the snow mm-hmm. and uh, because we were seen less than people. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard. And that's a fight we still go through every day. And the majority don't see that. They they see us as, oh, you know, Price is sitting here and he works at WINA. Yeah. And, and, Life and, is good. Yeah. Oh, right. Carolyn's at UVA. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they just see you in your present context you of your see professional the present framework. Context. Yeah. Not the history of the legacy. You see makeup. You see a nice haircut. Yeah. You see... Uh, you know, you don't see the soul life and the journey and all of the exactly, things right, that go on exactly. somebody a human. Yeah, we had somebody on the show and I don't know if you can remember the name, but they were talking about how their mother was an alcoholic. They're from Chicago. I forget which guest it was, mm-hmm. but the mother was an alcoholic and the grandmother had witnessed the lynching when she was a child in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which impacted her mother. Exactly. who became an alcoholic yeah. because it couldn't process her mother's pain. And now she was talking about, and she was, I don't know, 20s, 30s, who knows, I forget the age, but right. she was talking about how she's now trying to overcome that legacy of her mother having alcoholism, her grandmother witnessing this lynching, being a black woman, and the impact on the family, female legacy that that has caused. Absolutely. So that, that really yes. stayed with me. That was, I don't know how many shows back, but that that's real, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm going to share the mic. I well, promise. no, but I think that that's a nice segue because- does that bleed into the work you're doing with the university? And you mentioned something that's interesting is that, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned being a descendant of Castle Hill. And I think that at least for me, mm-hmm. I worked at Montpelier for three and a half, four oh, years. Okay, right. Great. And so so that has become a very primal part of the discussion. Right. Not just the history, but who is telling the history, who has agency over how the history is told. Right. And, and so when thinking about kind of that legacy and, and sort of how that works, does is are there links between kind of your your theological work and your your DEI work? Absolutely. And I didn't realize that, but hmm. um pieces of a puzzle. <laughs> it it really is. I I minister in both places. Sure. Yeah. So um being, you know, I think being African American, you're born with with some knowledge and this instilled in you of needing diversity, equity and mm-hmm. inclusion. Yeah. Um and in my in ministry it's not preaching or or beating people down across the head with the Bible yeah. is listening to their hearts. So it's what I'm really, my, what my yeah. passion is, is we have the Memorial to Enslaved Laborers at mm-hmm. the university and people come in and, you know, they're walking around and you'll sometimes we'll see kids running up on the wall mm-hmm. and you know, we, we kindly say, you know, this is a, a sacred space. Yeah. This is to be honored. This yeah. is not just a wall. This is when you when we give tours, when I give tours, or descendants of enslaved communities, mm-hmm. um, our organization gives tours. I, this is not a tour; it's an experience. Yeah. And if you leave this experience feeling the same way you did when you came in, the wall has not spoken to you. Mm. That's critical. I went to Dachau, which was a concentration camp in Germany, when I was like eighteen. When I, I went over there for a couple couple weeks, the most profound experience of my life was to be in this. It was basically, you could go and tour it, right? It was a tourist thing, but it was where thousands of Jews have been exterminated. Mm-hmm. And you felt the energy yeah. all those exactly. years later. And when you walked away from it, you couldn't not be changed exactly. by the sheer just pain and reality of what it meant to exterminate a whole race of humans, right? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it maybe isn't quite that powerful. It's not like it's a whole, but it is that powerful, oh, right? Oh, absolutely, for absolutely. Like, I mean, because people come in literally and they're like, oh, this is a great monument. Mm-hmm. 
It's not a monument. It's a memorial. Well, no, it's a it's an acknowledgement to these souls. Right, exactly. And <laughs> so, dearly, right? you know, we have people that give the tours. They talk about this is granite mist from mm-hmm. Culpeper and what it's made out of mm-hmm. and <laughs> how the uh, circumference of the <laughs> ma- uh, memorial is the same as the rotunda. And those are the facts. All that. Those are the those facts. Are the facts. Yeah, that's not but the then reality. I say, turn, turn, turn towards the wall. Close your eyes. Touch the wall. What do you feel? Right. Look at the names. You see very few full names. They won't but then it. you may see John, mm-hmm. or you may see a last name, yeah. or you see Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, bricklayer. Um, mother. You know, we look at how Jefferson had such detailed ledgers of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, when and looking at it, the people themselves that were doing the work really had no value. Yeah. They were had saying no the value. less than human, like you and said. And so um, it's more about diversity, equity, and inclusion is about teaching people and having them open their hearts and open their minds. I tell people, we <laughs> want this to be an institutionalized work where, where the research is institutionalized. This is not a one-year, two-year project. No. Lifetime, it's a lifetime to find four thousand names, and we're going to mm-hmm. find more. And so, um, I tell people this is head work. And excuse me, heart I work. tell people this is not head yeah, work. It's heart work. It's heart work. I said that we were on this show Monday night, and I was so disturbed when I left the show. In my humble opinion, because it was it was a really heady intellectual discussion about what it means to be white, what it means to be black, and the intersection of the two. Like a white person talking about their white experience relative to a black person. Talking about their black experience. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me tell you. Was there, it went on like three hours. Anyhow, I got home and I was just, it, it felt so heady and intellectual. I'm like, where's the heart and the soul in this conversation? Like, I get all the terms and I get all the, we're saying all the right things, but are we internalizing what it means to have these two cultures interact and fully understand and get each other? Well, but one, I don't think we'll ever fully understand. Yeah. Uh, but we, the point is to accept. Correct. But part of acceptance is understanding what it is you're trying to accept, right? If you just right, or, or read understanding a book, that you can understand. Correct. Mm. If you just read a book or go to a thousand right. trainings and you're like, I did all the things, like the I'm, I'm super good, like I understand. Yeah. It's kind of like reading the Bible as a piece of history versus understanding to have a relationship with, to right? To have a relationship Correct. with. It's very different. To be able to, to discern. Yeah. yeah, to be able to discern. Well, And so this is... Um, and wanted to say thanks again to our sponsor, Cotamaro's Automotive. This sort of dovetails into my next question we're talking about. I think that a lot of, you know, things I've read and critics would say that, you know, a lot of, not a lot of DEI work, but but some, especially at sort of large, you know, prestigious white dominated universities is a lot of kind of very tangible, okay, we renamed a building, we've, mm-hmm. you know, renamed streets or, you know, even this, you know, memorial to enslaved laborers, which is obviously incredibly powerful. People still, you know, I can I see people saying, okay, but what is the real change? UVA is still heavily majority white. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the town is itself is still heavily, you know, white dominated and the power mm-hmm. structure really hasn't changed. So is that a fair is that fa- a fair criticism or are these is it are these pieces, you know, the things that we talk about, you know, we've renamed buildings, we've sort of shifted the vernacular. That paradigm shift, I think, is obviously important. Mm-hmm. Is it is it enough? Is it a step in the right direction? Is it not enough? Where do you come down well, in that? It, it's not enough yet. OK, so we have to continue the work um, there. There are people that are saying that UVA does need to do more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm in agreement with that. So it could be both and. So, but, right. So it's both and, but we have to also recognize 
that Charlottesville, before it was destroyed because of hate or, or fear, such as Vinegar Hill, that mm-hmm. how Charlottesville was so strong and resilient and powerful and economically sound. And we still are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We still are. But when you come, when you bring in redlining and you try mm-hmm. to break people down, and then you have a university that said you can work here, but don't let me catch you here after dusk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you can't go to school here. Yeah. Oh, you can work here, but you, it's going to be with a broom and a mop. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, there is still, uh, there are still lines drawn, yeah. and that's going to take time. But I am. I'm a believer. I see the change that people say it's not enough, but we have started. It has started and we're moving forward. And it takes leadership mm-hmm. to yeah. say leadership. I would agree. This this history that we have needs to be told. Yeah. Because students that come, you know, they love Jefferson. That's wonderful. <laughs> right. You know, and. and but they don't know a lot of the history of where they're coming and the history of Charlottesville. So one of my goals is especially I think the memorial to enslaved laborers, when you look at it, we look at it as a broken shackle. And mm-hmm. that opening of that shackle tells the city of Charlottesville, you are welcomed here. Yeah. You are welcome here at the university. But again, that is generational trauma mm. because I know 80 year old people that literally had not stepped foot at the university until about two years ago yeah. when they were recognized for being <laughs> um, the hit, one of the hidden nurses. So we have yeah. to do more. And I, I give President Ryan credit that he we are doing more to, for outreach into the community, welcoming yeah. people in. Yeah. But there's much, much, much more work to do. And yeah. I, I sort of have an interesting and multifaceted kind of social question that I, I'm interested in your unpacking. So just looking at the the data dashboard, the diversity dashboard that the university publishes. So the student body is about 56% white, and that number has fallen over the last 10 years. The But interestingly enough, the number of black students has also fallen as a percentage of total students. Faculty is still 75% white Mm -hmm. and about 3% black, and that's stagnant. The question, though, is sort of in this era, and we, you know, as we sort of mentor and as you do with like young black children, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is is the goal to say, hey, you should go to these universities like UVA, like the Ivies and whatever, and and sort of help continue the movement? Or, because I'm also sensing there's a little bit of a push to be like, hey, you should start to seek out HBCUs. You should start to seek out opportunities and places and spaces where you are not the minority always. And so I guess when you look at this data, if we're saying that like the num- these numbers aren't changing very much and we're ascribing a lot of that to like, well, the university is not doing enough. Could that be a little bit of a social mu- movement of people like us saying, hey, go to Norfolk State? Well, yeah. I think what's important is for any any parent or any student that's looking to go to school you need to match that student with uh what's for their betterment Hmm. you know going to uva having that degree on the wall is amazing for sure you know it opens so many doors um but i tell you i went to pwis for undergraduate and for graduate and then when i went to virginia union 
my eyes were open to <laughs> liberation theology mm-hmm. and to see just a sea of black faces of every shade, you know, praising together, worshiping together. Powerful. And it, it was just, um, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I belong, mm. yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so what I've heard a lot is when people come to the university, they don't feel like they belong. Sure. And so we do have mentoring yeah. programs with faculty and African-American students. There mm-hmm. is um, just, there's, there are more, but, and there's, but uh, Theological Horizons mm-hmm. is um, a great opportunity. It's Christian-based, mm-hmm. but it allows um, for a caring environment for students um, to share and to be cared for mm-hmm. in a in a way mm-hmm. that they're not, that they're not alone. Yeah, but there is no doubt that African American students say. I just don't feel like there's a place for me well, I mean, here. And that's because yeah. that history and mm-hmm. it's, elitist. it's elitist. It's elitist. And I don't think yeah. that, that may never change. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, yeah. it does. I mean, I think that part of it is, is that, and I think part of it is, is look being one of those kids who I, I think there's also just an, an assimilation part of it. you just kind of get used to it, you know? And I think that using that word assimilation, yeah. see, that's mm-hmm. woo, that, that we could go on with that for a while, right. long time. <laughs> yeah. because it, it, sometimes it makes me angry. Mm. I grew up in Keswick. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's nothing but horse country (laughs) and what we call now manors and estates but they were plantations they were plantations and my parents gave us the best education best everything Mm -hmm. my father drove a cab yellow cab for 48 years my mother did domestic work Mm -hmm. but in that they they knew that they wanted more for their children Mm. and so they were Involved in um, economic endeavors in, in Charlottesville and social and civic engagements, and but I we had to learn to assimilate, mm-hmm. and assimilating made you a little more welcomed. Sure, you know you weren't as black. That's right, and so. But that it, it that is so uncomfortable to me now, because you lose your culture in that. So you, how do you do that? How can you be belong but honor your culture? Well, now now I'm fifty six years old. Right. Yeah, well you grow now. you grow yeah, into I mean, it, right? Yeah. But, but it takes you till fifty. I think, and that's a, a a human thing, or certainly a woman thing. By fifty, you're like, all right, I'm gonna do my well, thing. There's I mean, certain ways that, that obviously we have to be when we're at work, when yeah. we're at church, yeah. when we are. Um, it just it depends on where we are, but the best thing we can be is ourselves. That's what I was gonna say. So, how can you be authentic, embracing your culture, your legacy, your mm-hmm. history, and still belong in any crowd that you're in? Or is that just like impossible? It is not impossible. It is you grow into that. Yeah, and you can demand respect. In any Without, circles, I would agree. You, you can demand respect just by walking in a room. Agreed. Yeah. You know, and, and you, it's not about having to tell somebody. It's the attitude that by which wrong. you enter that space. It, it, I when belong you enter here that space, as much as anybody else right. belongs here. Yeah. Um, and you and you bring that energy. Yeah. So if I bring that energy 
in a hostile way, where's that going to get me? Sure. So, um, but we can talk about assimilation all day. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Yuck, 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 yuck. Well, you also brought up this thing about your parents were surviving to make sure that you could thrive, right? To make sure you could have, and that's a whole generational and, thing. And it was to amazing, unpack. you know. And you hear that again and again and again. And these aren't people that are immigrating here, a first generation. No. These are people that have been here. And so just, just imagine, yeah, working, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Come on. working for, my mother worked for a family for 75 years. She wore the uniform, mm. you know, and, but she was so, she, she's got she I'm still looking for mine she's got, she mm-hmm. had something in her that was I know who I am yeah I'm gonna say yes ma'am to you mm-hmm. I'm gonna do all these things and I'm doing it because I know where it's taking my family mm. yeah it's not for and you. so many <laughs> doors were opened because of that and so many doors have opened for me and for my sister because of that mm. yeah. w- what it's do powerful. you as as someone who's obviously you know very involved in the work at uva and also you know your own sort of personal mm. journey as a descendant how how important do you feel that sort of institutions and particularly like sort of what we call i guess Montpelier calls himself a cultural institution i guess museum um and and schools you know in this sort of pursuit of the truth and what is the truth and who gets to tell the truth and to whom or you know because we're in this whole mm-hmm. goofy discussion about crt now and things are going on down in florida you know what i'm saying so we're in this whole thing about this is also this is all of a sudden mm-hmm. becoming like a boogeyman for i think what many of us would just call like facts you know so how, <laughs> it how- is scary it is scary to take the mask off Right. Yeah, when you actually present it's the real information. It's scary to take the mask the off. So I want I've got, I have to give a shout out to my cousin um, Lorenzo Dickerson. Is that your cousin? You yes. love Lorenzo. Can't He's great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo Dickerson, who um, is the historian. That's right. I mean, I didn't know about. I I, I still have not. I'm still kind of easing into i haven't done my dna test yet because okay. i'm kind of afraid of what i'm gonna find yeah. <laughs> Rob, robbie i think we're cousins yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and oh, so be... i'm just kind of i, I want to do it yeah mm-hmm. um but i'm i've learned so much through lorenzo's work mm-hmm. my cousin ramona chapman's work mm-hmm. um our our church historian and community historian gloria gilmore mm-hmm. um they've done such work in linking families together mm-hmm. and cemetery work of we have over 400 unmarked um, graves at Zion Hill. Mm. And mm. So we honor that space. Yeah. We honor that space because if it were not for them, where would we be? Yeah. And they work so hard right. to 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 provide um, and I forgot your question, but I think it was about. Well, it was just it about was that link question. between public, public and private, private. institutions yeah. and, and how we, I mean, because what, you know, I think the thing that's interesting is that what I think what a lot of kids get in their homes and their churches and their communities is diametrically opposed to what they get in part of their formal education. Right. So then we pass kids up through the ranks either. I mean, even me, I went to public school. I was took every AP class in the book and then at 27 went to Montpelier and was like, what is any? I haven't heard any of this. Heard mm-hmm. Any of this? I've heard sort of allusions to it. 
I haven't heard any of this stuff. Well, the, the history books are not for us. Hmm. The history books are not for us. So that's not that's number one. We have to face reality. We're not making up stories of slavery. Right. <laughs> We're not making up stories of being uh, even. I want to just stop for a minute. Uh we give and we acknowledge the Native American land that we are on. Mm. You know, we have to acknowledge and give people what's theirs. Acknowledge that it was not yours mm-hmm. to take. Mm. And and I think the the arrogance and the greed of the majority mm-hmm. makes it very hard to say. I, I don't want you to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I want you to do something that shows I may not have been there cracking the whip. Sure. I may not have been there raping you from your land. But, but I surely benefited. I can, but I surely I benefited, benefited. And what can <laughs> so I do now? To make it right. What can I do now? Yeah. For instance, it's so Correct. amazing. When we give the tours of the memorial, we have had um, you know, white people say, because I asked the question, raise your hand mm-hmm. if you know who your grandparents are. Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you know who your great-grandparents are. Raise your hand if you know where you're originally from. And a lot of the white hands go up. Sure. And I'm saying, we don't know that. We don't know. Nope. nope. My history really stops don't. at 1860 or whatever. Or whatever. It was, yeah. And so people are kind of shocked. You don't know. No. Well, because I was ripped from my land. Right. <laughs> so right. I don't know. Um, but they have, people have said, I want to help you descendants of enslaved communities i want to help you on your journey to find your family Hmm. to build that reunite and unite that body of family back together so you know i'm embarrassed to say so or but my great-grandfather had slave ledgers Mm -hmm. and when i give those to you because I'm hoping this will help you in your work. Yeah. Um, Shelly Murphy, I'm sure you all have heard of mm-hmm. Shelly. She's an excellent um, genealogist and researcher. And um, she's one person. Sure. So the university needs more dedicated researchers mm-hmm. to connecting these names to back to their families and yeah. their descendants, creating yeah. mm-hmm. that legacy. Yeah, Sally Hudson said something. Sally Hudson said something interesting, which which I, she said that if you can feel pride for something you didn't do, right, and then sort of you know we have all the and she mentioned sports, which are a great example. Like my team won, and I feel good about that. Or even historically, you know, we have all mm-hmm. these people that are very connected to you know their their great grandparents' part in the war or whatever. Then the logic would hold that you could feel some sort of accountability for things that mm-hmm. you didn't do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think your point's well taken is that I don't expect an apology and I'm not blaming you, right? But it doesn't doesn't change the reality of, of sort of how we got from A to Z. Mm-hmm. I love Finding Your Roots by Henry Louis Gates yep. that's on PBS. Yep. And, and I just Some of the people's him. faces in that thing and are he, priceless just, too. Yeah. He just smiles, you know, yeah. when he says to, um, you know, a white producer or a yep. white actor... Guess who your cousin is? And you watch him open the thing. And you and open the book, <laughs> and it's Angela Bassett. That's or something, you know, yeah. it's the reality that we're yeah. all family. Yeah, we all bleed red. Yeah, um, but it's gonna take time. It's mm. gonna take time. Speaking about 
sort of the action piece of all this, how do you feel about reparations? Like, what would that conversation look like for Charlottesville? Oh, what would it look Softball, like? Softball, that's an easy Sorry, one. Sorry, yeah. I just like, I had to, well, no, I just, we're talking about the legacy, the history, people taking responsibility, benefiting from what, you know, really wasn't theirs to benefit from. What is, what does a different future look like as it relates to that? Like, how can we think about putting that together for this community? I One would be scholarships. Agreed, mm. education. One would be huge. education. Yes. Um, Free education. Free education. Agreed. Uh, It would be making a choice and making a definite um, institutional change in what you teach. Mm -hmm. Um, Lewis Nelson, a white professor at UVA, gives tours and and lectures and he's, he's a true champion. Yeah. But he can't do it by himself. He's a true champion. He yeah, is a true champion. Lose, yeah. he, he truly is. But there's so much that the university can give. Mm. But I love my job and I don't want to uh, <laughs> lose my job. I'm telling no, UVA of course, what of they course. should do with all of the billions of dollars that they have that could be allocated to other, to our students. Free education would yeah. be number one for on your edu- list. For education, for the community what as about a housing, whole. housing, any other sort of category? Af- affordable housing. Yeah. So I think you just saw uh, a press release come out yesterday about the university has dedicated three sites for a possible, uh, I have to say possible, mm-hmm. um, affordable housing sites. Projects, yeah. And mm. my people are saying okay that's great yeah 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 uva we've heard that so many times so many Mm -hmm. what does affordable housing look like to you let me tell you what i think it looks like to me it looks like it's still gonna be twenty five hundred dollars rent it's gonna go to and it's gonna go to uh students students. parents pay the price and so Uh um we got we have to change that right well i'm interested in that conversation i mean we won't unpack all that today but to the extent United Way <laughs> oh, no, can we're not play get, we're not gonna unpack a role. That today. <laughs> um, you know, we're committed to that. Absolutely. Uh, that's like kind of like the next frontier of all this is like, what can we do to um, now give back and invest in a community that we've taken so much from? That has to stop, start from the top. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And... So I say at the top for my organization, but I'm right, only one but nonprofit, but, right? right? I'm so one little nonprofit right. in town. So, uh, when you look at the donors and the money and uh, what their hope is for the university, mm-hmm. um, and that's the reality. It's not, it is what it is. Yeah. So we have to recognize without sugarcoating it that some people are, we have to move this forward. We need to do this research. We need to tell the true story. And there are others saying, you need to put the top mm. back on that story. Mm-hmm. You need people to put the top on the story. Not, not, no, not that the people aren't ready for it. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, I've been, uh, my granddaddy went to UVA and he had a great time. And my, you know, uh, my daddy went and I went and my child's going and I don't want that marred. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how do we tell the story and you're not going to please everybody. Yeah, but it's not about pleasing but the people. Truth it's about doing what's right. Yeah, it's about doing what's right. Yeah, 
It is, Agreed. but again, I think to her point is that if that if that person with that legacy is going to put a new wing on the hospital, that changes the frame of the conversation. Don't you make me preach in here. Don't you make me preach. Yeah, but that. it's a paradigm shift, right? It's a paradigm shift. And the reality is you can still put the wing on and you can offer 25 scholarships to start to African-American students. You can do both. Free, four years. You can. Mm-hmm. And that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, listeners. I hope you heard Robbie's yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I just say I, anyway. You got you got to start somewhere. Exactly. I guess that's my point. Not doing anything is not the solution either. But people don't do anything because if they don't feel like it's their responsibility. That's Correct. old news. Correct. Why are people still talking about slavery? They still talking about that? <laughs> Good Lord, that was so long ago. I know. I hear all of it. I hear all of it. But the reality, the proof is in the pudding, right? You look at that, the students it, it is. who struggle the most to pay for their education. Mm-hmm. It's not the white students. I mean, just look at Absolutely. the data. Just look at the data. Absolutely. Always go back to the data, yeah. This probably feels like a time to End shut the door on okay, this before it goes enough. on for another 45 minutes. It could minutes. go on another 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, good, good conversation. No, but with that, we'll, we'll head out for today. Big thank you. To Carolyn Dillard for, for joining us and of course to our sponsor Carter Myers Automotive uh, if you have ideas for the show or want to weigh in on that conversation that lighthearted conversation you can check us out on social media all platforms at United Way Seville drop us a note the inbox is open envision at unitedwayseville.org if you want to keep up with Carolyn's work or UVA's division of DEI check them out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at UVA Diversity and online at dei.virginia.edu uh, we get help on the show every week from our intern Kat so big shout out thanks to Kat for all her work and all of her help and for Ravi Carolyn this is Price Thomas we will see you next week <laughs>